Take out your Bibles, open to John chapter 17 this morning as we seek the face of our faithful God together, the one who has been more faithful to us than we could ever comprehend, who has provided all that we've ever need from the depths of our soul, the salvation, the forgiveness of sins through Christ to our every temporal need. Uh, This God invites us together into his presence to fellowship with him. And to unify our hearts and minds and voices in prayer today, we turn once again to the Word of God, John chapter 17, where we have been kind of tracking and reading along Jesus' own high priestly prayer to the Father. As He prepares to go to the cross, He's glorying in the Father, glorying in the Father's faithfulness, glorying in all that the Father has done for His own glory through the Son to fulfill all of the plans and purposes that they had and eternity past. It's a wonderful prayer and gives us kind of stepping stones to our own prayer lives, both personally and corporately. We've been looking at various themes in Jesus's prayer because they become themes that should be in our own prayers. And we've picked up on quite a few thus far as Jesus is rejoicing in the work of God and the salvation of the soul. He has picked up on the work of God in creating a new creature, a Christian, a believer. And he's defining what this is. A Christian is one who God has revealed his character to. It's one who knows the character of God because God has shown him through the word. A Christian is one who knows that God has laid claim upon him. God in eternity past has chosen, laid claim onto this individual. A Christian is one who has grasped who God is, and grasped the gospel and responded to it faithfully because of God's gracious work in his life. We've seen that a Christian is one who has found their deepest satisfaction in God's provision to him, Jesus Christ. Christ is not only Savior, he is that, but Christ was given to be so much more. Christ is our all in all. Christ is God's gift to the believer to be your satisfaction, to be your hope, to be your joy. And the true believer is one who has found his deepest satisfaction in Christ, in Christ's person and work. A Christian is one who then takes that and believes with his whole heart, lays his whole life upon Christ. From the moment he wakes up till he goes to bed at night, and throughout the night when he's completely out, his whole trust and faith is in Christ Jesus, in his substitutionary work in His promises, clinging to Christ. And this morning we come to another phrase in Jesus' high priestly prayer, John chapter 17, beginning in verse 6. I want us to consider this this morning and, and use this as a springboard for our own prayer life. John 17, verse 6, Jesus says, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me. And they have kept your word. It's that little phrase right there. A distinguishing characteristic of a true believer is one who has kept the word of God. You know, we live in a day today where there's a very popular notion around that you can be a Christian without any concern for obedience. That you can be a Christian, that you can actually lay claim to the kingdom of God and yet have a pattern and a lifestyle of disobedience to God. 
Well, I think Jesus here undermines that very thing when he, uh, about his believers, his disciples, claims about them, they have kept your word. He's glorying in the Father for the fact that they have kept his word. Now, what in the world does that mean? Because that opens up a lot of possibilities. They have kept your word. What does he mean by that? Well, I think we're helped by understanding who it is Jesus is talking about. He's talking about his disciples, right? As he's praying and he's lifting them up to the Father, he's praying for his disciples. They have kept your word, he says. Well, what kind of men were these? Had they really kept his word? If you go back and look at the lives of the disciples, even in their time of communion with Christ, these were men who were full of weakness. These are men who are struggling with doubts. They have tempers. They have pride problems. They have been failures. We're going to continue to see this in Jesus' ministry. They are going to abandon Jesus in his hour of greatest need. And yet these are the ones that Jesus says, they have kept your word. So obviously, he doesn't mean that they're flawless. He doesn't mean that their obedience is perfect. But what does he mean, they have kept your word? Well, if it's not perfect obedience, then what is it? Well, let's be very clear before we get all the way there, because I don't want to create another dilemma. God's will for his believers is always perfect obedience. God's desire for you is obedience. Though the disciples were not perfect, and though Jesus prays they have kept your word, it's not as though Jesus is saying, well, they haven't been perfect, but that's okay. God's will is for us to obey. John tells us in in, in one of his epistles, my little children, I'm writing these things to you that you may not sin. That is the intention. But, knowing our weakness and frailty, John goes on to add in 1 John 2, but if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And so what we see here is we think about they have kept your word. John is very much aware, and Jesus is very much aware. As long as we're in these bodies of clay, we will sin. We will. But we should be characterized as a people who desire to obey God's word. What Jesus is referring to by the obedience here is he's talking about the attitude of their heart. The attitude of their heart. The attitude of their heart is one of obedience. The aim of their lives from the moment they wake up is, my desire is to obey. Christ is my king. He has done this wonderful work work in my soul. And the practice or the habit of my life is to obey. I will fail. I will sin. But the whole movement of my life is moving toward a greater loyalty, a greater obedience, a greater faithfulness to Jesus Christ to obey the demands that he's placed upon me. The word kept there, they have kept my word, has the idea, the, the tense of it in Greek. But it simply implies it's a, there's a turning point in their lives and it has ongoing effects. They have kept. There came a point in their lives where Christ became everything and the ongoing trajectory of their lives thereafter is to live a life of obedience. That's the attitude of their heart. Now, the weakness of evangelical Christianity in our own day, and maybe even a struggle in us this morning, 
is that we have gone and created a whole new category of Christian. Piggybacking off of something Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we've created a whole other category of Christianity called carnal Christianity, a carnal Christian. A distinction Paul never intended for us to make. A category Paul never intended. Well, you've probably heard this term. Possibly. Probably. You've used it maybe to describe yourself. Well, I'm, I'm in a moment of carnality. I'm carnal right now. Well, that's not what Paul is talking about here. A Christian who's been born again by the grace of God, through the blood of Jesus Christ, the work of the Spirit of God bringing a new birth. You are a new creature. The old things are past. You don't go back to carnal. You don't go back to that. The idea of a carnal Christian was one created to explain away unregenerate people who go to church, who don't live lives of obedience, and are not children of God, but they won't come to grips or terms with the Word of God. So how do you make yourself feel better about your place in the kingdom of God when you really have no interest in God? You've got to create a whole other category. And that's what the whole carnal Christian thing is. And what Jesus is saying here, and what he's encouraging, or what he's glorifying God in, is to understand what James is going to later say. Faith without works is dead. Faith without a life of obedience, the attitude of your heart, one of, I want to glory in Christ. He's my all. I want to live unto him. Is no faith at all. 